Sten Morgan here. I hope you're doing well. I want to announce that we are launching the How to Be an Elite Advisor course. We are combining all of our best teachings and ideas into a course that you can complete in less than a week. I want to share with you the best ideas that I implement within my practice that have helped me achieve more than I ever thought possible. I want to share how I have unique meetings with clients. What's the mindset of an elite advisor? How do you prospect in a way that'll separate you from other advisors? At the Elite Advisor Network, we reject average. I want to help you see what your full potential is and reach it faster. Set time aside this week to take the course. Click on the link or go visit gobeelite.com. I'll talk to you soon. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm Sten Morgan. Uh, I'm here with Brad Johnson. Uh, good chance you've seen his stuff. Uh, Brad, thanks for being here, brother. Glad to be here, Sten. For our listeners, if you would give kind of a quick background, um, you've done a lot, man. You've challenged a lot of people. Um, I love talking to people that make me uncomfortable and challenge me. So we're going to get into some good stuff today. But high level background on you, journey, how you got to where you are today. All right. I'll try to keep it quick because it's definitely taken a few turns along the way. Um, I mean, at my core, I'm a small town Kansas kid. Grew up uh, on a farm in Kansas, uh, Minneapolis, Kansas, which most people don't know exist. You say Minneapolis, they assume Minnesota. Very different. Uh, to a town of 2,000 people. Mm. Um, grew up throwing hay bales in the summer. And so I think what's kind of cool about that as I look back is it was just always kind of wired into me from the get-go that, uh, you know, hard work and the value of that, as well as just treating others as you want to be treated. You know, when you grow up in a town of 2000 people, if you're a jerk, people find out about it real quick. And, uh, so I think that's really served me well into my journey in finance. And so from, from there, went to college, played football. That kind of took me to a small town called Emporia. Um, and then from there, got a job in Topeka, Kansas at Payless Shoe Source did the corporate world thing for about three years and just figured out that wasn't for me. And it always just geeked out on finance. You know, I was, uh, I was, I, I, when I was at Payless, I remember Google was IPO and Chipotle was IPOing, Under Armour was IPOing, And I was sitting there just researching stocks all day when I was supposed to be working. And, um, it just kind of finance always drew me. And, uh, so next thing I knew I was studying for my CFP online and, interviewing with, you know, Ed Jones, Ameriprise, John Hancock. And I'd convinced my wife who was teaching school at the time that uh, time to leave a very secure, you know, $55,000, $60,000 a year job in the corporate life to go 100% commission and try to be a financial advisor. And uh, about that time, a good friend named Sean Sparks, who's my business partner today at Triad, uh, said, hey, there's this new little company in Topeka. They do insurance brokerage. That was Advisors Excel. I joined us the 12th team member there. And really that was my entry into the world of finance. And I was just really fortunate. I was able to grow up alongside uh, some of the most successful independent financial advisors in the U S and m many of them. And I know you, you have a, a great background on the insurance side as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was kind of the marriage of the insurance world, the safety for retirees of annuities and life insurance. And then as that evolved the world of asset management, and really I was right there as it all kind of, came together and merged today. And so left there about three years ago and super grateful for that journey. Uh, learned a lot, was a student the whole way along. And uh, it was just time for that next chapter for me, which was the entrepreneurial journey of triad and, and what we're doing today. Nice. So do you currently that's the, have... That's the condensed version. That was great. I know that there's probably a mini series someday of, of, of your uh, journey, but uh, appreciate the overview. Do you currently work with clients anymore or is it full on triad? community coaching? What does that look like? 
Yeah. So um, what the kind of the piece I left out, who it's right in your backyard, Sten, uh, about 2015, 2016, uh, you know, I'd always been a reader. And one of the things I found just hanging around successful people is they tended to be well-read. And uh, obviously you can, you can have a mentor in real life or you can have a mentor in a book. And uh, so Michael Hyatt, I'd started reading his blog and he's right down the road from me in Franklin. And uh, I just, I read a book called the richest man in Babylon and short, I know many people in our world have read it short, little skinny book. But one of the things that hit home with me is take 10% of what you make and invest it back into yourself. And I wasn't really doing that at the time. I was going to the conferences, you know, in finance, but I wasn't really, I didn't have a budget to invest. And I was like, well, I should probably do that. And uh, that kind of led me into a private mastermind with Michael. Um, And one of the problems I was trying to solve is how do I get a bunch of successful financial advisors like yourself to show up at the same place at the same time? Damn near impossible. And I was doing a live Zoom coaching call. And Michael's like, well, you should make it a podcast. You should just record it and they can listen to it on their time. And that was how the Elite Advisor Blueprint was born. And did everything wrong, you know, did one episode a month, like grew it very organically and slow. Uh, But I really just loved it. Um, And, you know, you doing a podcast yourself, it's just a fun way to meet cool people and learn and, you know, really expand your network and serve others. And um, that really was what kind of led to that trajectory of um, kind of just like more the the thought, uh, just how do you serve those bigger? And so if you look at triad now, um, through the podcast and a lot of the connections I'd made there, I'd be like, Hey, do you do private coaching or things like that? And as I left advisors Excel, I took about, I think it was about two and a half months where I just, I was just like, I'm not jumping right back in. I need to create space and I need to truly seek to understand what that next chapter looks like for me. And I just realized I grew up in a space that I knew really well. I knew intimately, I knew, I knew the network of advisors, the type of people. And so triad is really an evolution. I mean, technically we're an FMO, um, but we tried to really flip the model on its head. So we, we have a very, um, we set the standard of entry more like a a high end mastermind or a country club where just 10 million plus uh, on the insurance side annually. But more importantly, we wanted to curate uh, a community of growth minded people. One of the things we say here a lot is check your ego at the door. Like, here's the deal. You're super successful. And every time we've connected, you're always asking questions. You're always learning. You're, you're not the guy that walks in the room and says, I know everything. Um, even though like your production could warrant like, Hey, he's done pretty well. He could have grown an ego, yeah. you know? And um, so I just found the most successful people in our space and the people that I actually wanted to hang out with had that. And so we made sure that was a part of our community. And then um, my podcast today, the new evolution of that is do business, do life. And uh, that's really our mission at Triad. We want to help independent financial advisors do business and do life. Um, there's two ways to define that in our world. Number one, regardless of whether or not we were working together, would I want to have you over to my home, yep. break bread at my family dinner table, surround my family with you. And there's a certain level of human that you want to invite into your home. And there's a certain that you wouldn't. And uh, so that's really how we curate the community. And then secondarily, the big the big pain point I've seen of a lot of successful financial advisors is almost this tug of war between Mm -hmm. growing my business, but also, Hey, how do I have freedom in my life or actually build a business that blesses my life? that doesn't become my life kind of build that, you know, prison around yourself. And, um, you know, I've got, I've got a lot of people like 
you're like, man, if I look back, I sacrifice family dinners. I, I miss ball games and you don't ever get that time back. And the truth is if you build it with the right model, it doesn't have to be that way. And so it's really, how do you make that shift from financial advisor to CEO, to business owner? And it's all about building an incredible team, building great systems and creating that freedom, not only for the founder, but also for your team. And so that's really the mission that we're on at Triad. No, I love that, man. Yeah, I think there's a lie of you have to choose. You have balance in your life uh, and you sell it for a salary, you know, no ownership uh, or you, you mm-hmm. give it all up. And yep. have you found that that is, that's something I bought into early to where it's like, no, I have to just be that much more effective that like it can be a both and it's more mm-hmm. or less than getting somebody to understand like, but are you willing to do what it takes to do that? Because it is probably the hardest path when you're saying be successful, don't compromise your potential, but also the the recurring regret we all hear is someday, man, I wish I was with my family more like that. It's almost inevitable. If you go on that path, you're going to yeah. be seeing those things. So what has your experience been with the head trash around that is possible when most people come to, you know, triad, is that the biggest thing they can't get over? It's like, Hey man, it has to be one or the other. Yeah. I think, I think our industry unfortunately has reinforced a lie and, and fed, fed what we call a triad. We call it red line behavior, which mm-hmm. is it's, it's the endless hamster wheel of more, 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 yeah. you know, more seminars, more, more leads. So I can do more revenue, more production. And, um, there was a conversation that just sticks with me. Uh, what a really good friend, um, triad member. His name's Anthony Pellegrino. He's out of Chicago and one of the most successful independent financial advisors in the country. So uh, this was a few years back, but uh, he was at kind of the, the year end awards ceremony. A lot of, you know, industry firms do obviously in an incredible hotel. I think this was one that was in Las Vegas. And I think he was top five for this firm that year walks across the stage had brought in 91 million of new assets as a essentially almost a solo advisor. I think he had maybe one other advisor on the team at that time. And he walked across the stage. He did the old picture, you know, everybody claps. Probably like seven seconds, maybe 10. Walks directly off the stage, goes into the bathroom. He's telling me this story. He's like, I look myself in the mirror. I splash water on my face. I'm completely exhausted from that year. Like having the treadmill turned up at 12 and just sprinting all year long. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I look myself in the mirror and I said, I will never do that to myself again. And to me, that's just a symptom of red line behavior, which our industry praises and, you know, hands these crystal awards, (laughs) these accolades. And then you're looking around, you're like, I didn't see my family for a year to us. That is not success. Yeah. That is not the model that you're trying to build. Unfortunately, our industry reinforces it. And so I think that shift stem that we're talking about is, I mean, I'm sure you had this. How, how did you, when you first got in the business, what, like, was it kind of one of those captive groups where you're like knocking on doors, cold calling? Like, was it one of those sort of situations? Yeah, yeah it was the, you get in, you look around, you copy what everybody else is doing. The tough thing for me is that all my examples were uh, 55-year-old advisors that eventually yeah. were successful. But what I didn't have was somebody that did it in five years, six years. So I was yeah. copying average behavior, which was labor-intensive, uh, 
I, I used to brag that there was a couple years where I only took Christmas and Thanksgiving off. Um, mm. which I remember somebody told me later, I can't remember who it was, but like, dude, don't brag about how busy you are. That's not a good thing. <laughs> like it's yeah, a person that's accomplishing a lot, but seems calm. That doesn't seem rushed. Like that's the person yeah. you want to be like. And so I, I bought into the lie too. I, I did the average path and got average results. And I thought if I just did it, if what everybody else is doing harder and longer than everybody else, I would be more successful. But to your point, you, that only goes so far. Yeah. Well, because the constraints you, right. It's the, it's the, it's like the grind mentality, which, you know, I, I think, you know, being a college athlete, I know you're a super driven dude just from the couple of times we've connected. Um, it's almost this badge of honor in your twenties. It's like, I'm going to get in, I'm going to do more dials, more door knocks. I'm going to work later. I mean, I remember one night I was working until nine o'clock at night. And my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I just ordered pizza to the office. I'll see you <laughs> a little later on, you know? And, um, I think there's a season in businesses for that. You know, obviously I, I learned a lot that, you know, goes back to that farm kid, the hard work. But I think as you, as you age, you get more wisdom as your family dynamic changes, you know, married with three kids, that sure as hell isn't the model I want to set up for my kids. Like dad's mm-hmm. never there. Dad just is the the bank account, but we never see him. Yep. I mean, who wants to be that as a dad? And um, so the problem is, it's the book, what got you here, won't get, get you there. Yeah. That grind mentality that actually that Anthony story of that red line behavior, he's praised, praised, praised. And then all the people look at him. It's like, this is the guy what they don't see is backstage hmm. that he's just sh- sheer exhaustion, you know, and, and complete burnout. And I think the firms that are, and the founders that are real enough with themselves, the cool thing is there is a, actually, it's a, a very, not that complicated framework. That can happen way quicker than they think. And it's at triad, what we call it is phase one is the advisor in charge model. Mm-hmm. That is the advisors in the middle. They are the constraint. They might be surrounded by team members, but it's a task driven organizational model. Hey, I've got a dinner seminar next month. Sally, hey, can can we do that? And then five questions come back. Where are we going to have it? What are the dates? What's the mailer going to be? What should we have on the menu? Who should we invite? Yep. And then the advisor's like, damn, like one request. And I just got seven requests back at me and there's not enough of them to go around. Mm-hmm. Phase two goes from a task driven model to a responsibility driven model. So we call it business first model, business owner model, where you now start to take a financial services firm and actually treat it like a business. So you're no longer a financial advisor. Yes, mm-hmm. you are, but you're a financial advisor playing a business owner it has three different divisions. As Dean Jackson says, the before, the during, the after, marketing, sales, ops. And now we start to empower people to own the responsibility. A framework from our friend Michael Hyatt right down the road that we use a lot is 108010. Yep. So that might go something like this. Hey, Sally, um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a 10% meeting. Um, bring all your questions. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to sit there beside you and we're going to flesh out what we believe this next month's marketing event should look like. Answer all those questions. That's the ideation phase. Mm-hmm. We've got a form at Triad where we just basically put it all. What's the whole purpose of this? What's the why? Start with the end in mind and then retrofit. What's everything we need to do to accomplish that? Nice. And then the middle 80 is empowering that person. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sally, you go, you do the work, you come back. And here's the hardest thing for a founder. 
stay out of the way. <laughs> Don't jump back in and save them, right? Like as a parent, it's like, let the kid learn to ride the bike and fall over a couple of times because that's yep. what it's going to take. And um, the thing that's typically missing is the last 10% stem. So, and oftentimes the first 10%, because there's not clarity on the front end of what they're trying to do. It's kind of what we call a drive-by. Hey, could you do this? And then you disappear into another appointment. That's why this framework is so key. Take the time. Yep. It's the teach a man or a woman to fish, not give them a fish. So you don't have to do it the rest of your life, right? And so that 10%, they do the middle 80. Now the last 10% is what we call quality control. Hmm. Advisor comes back in, founder comes back in. Hey, here's what we're thinking. What do you think? And probably 90, 95% will be great. Cool. 5% tweak. Oh no, we don't want to do the dinner during the seminar. They don't want to plate it till after. Yeah. Make sure that's key. Right. So now you're tweaking it. And now as a business owner, you can have confidence. And now you run that playbook a couple of times. Everybody takes a little while to learn. It's like, cool. We just created a system in the business. It's running. Sally's owning the responsibility for it. I don't have to get pulled in the weeds every time. So that's phase two. Phase three is evolving into a true CEO. That's where you go from responsibility to they own the thinking. Now the marketing director or the chief of marketing, if you have a business of that scale, mm-hmm. is now coming to Sten and saying, hey, Sten, yeah, we do these dinner seminars, but why aren't we doing a YouTube video that can work for us when we're not there at the seminar? Why aren't we doing podcasts? Why aren't we doing webinars? Why aren't we doing educational events too? And they're bringing the ideas to you. Damn, that's kind of a good idea. We probably should do that, right? Phase four is board member. So you're getting paid, you're a shareholder, but you don't have to show up. And so that's kind of the evolution. We only really, most firms that we work with, they're somewhere in between phase one and phase two and really solidifying that and then take nice. it from there. So sorry, that's kind of a long ramble, but I wanted to paint the picture there a bit as far as some solutions for your audience. No, I think that's powerful, man. We, in the past, we've communicated that as advisor stages, one to five. And if, mm-hmm. if you're listening now, you can get a vibe from Brad that he is a, a business owner. Um, that may feel uh, unusual to you, the words he's using. You may be, hey, it's me and one assistant you need to decide if you want to be a salesperson where you're direct with clients, product sales, making a good income, and that's your goal, fine. A lot of advisors I talk to and interact with want these other stages. They, they want to progress. They want, mm-hmm. they want to have a bigger impact. They want to make more money, but they want to spend less time. And I think Michael Hyatt said anything worth doing requires a team. And th- there's a whole new skill set. There's a whole new risk. It should feel scary. It does to all of us. I know I have days where I'm like, what am I doing? Who is this thing? Like you're learning to live in the tension. So if you want to be a business owner, those are the stages. It's not to create a a heavy job for yourself, which I feel like most people do when they work for themselves. It's like they're working more, making less, have more stress, and they just created a, a, a crappy job for themselves. And so I love that. Mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking in our, our language as you were saying that, that there's this progression. And we coach that you can't really skip stages. Like you don't get to go from one to four, probably. Is that fair? When you when you get yeah, work through I, each one, I mean, unless you have a really wealthy relative that just says, "Hey, I'm <laughs> going to uh, buy half of this company," and you're now a board member, yeah, I think it's really hard to skip stages. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, so, practically, uh, one, one thing you made me think of. Well, one thing, Stan, you just made me think of that I think is worth noting here. As a business owner. It's a blessing and a curse to have complete freedom of what you're going to build. Like you said it, you're like, some days I'm like, wait, what the heck are we doing here? By the way, 
every business owner, if they're honest with you, faces that mm-hmm. where you feel like you're out of your skis. It's like, oh, I've got, the, it's like the video game. You pass the level. You're like, oh, I figured out that level. I crushed that. And then, oh, wait, it just unlocked this new level. I have no freaking clue what I'm doing. Yes. And so um, that's why coaching to me has been really key. People that have gone further down the path than me that I can learn from, learn from their mistakes. So I don't have to remake them myself. I know you're a big advocate advocate of coaching as well. Um, But the cool thing, when you start to step into stage two business owner, um, once you start to empower a team and have responsibilities that are truly owned, it actually unlocks that freedom again as a business owner. And one of the things that just, I absolutely love about finance, it's actually a business that I've seen so many different models and they can all work. It's actually Actually, like, yes, you're you're serving clients and how you build a financial plan and how you serve them with whatever products you offer, mm-hmm. but there's so much freedom in how you do that, the niches you serve. And back to the marketing sales ops. I mean, I've had firms that Anthony's a good example. I mean, he he'll bring in close to 200 million this year, his firm. He actually is like, you know what? I've done hundreds, if not thousands, of appointments in my career. I'm kind of over it. <laughs> He's just being real. As a business owner, he like, it's like, I don't think I want to do that anymore. But you know what he does love? He loves the marketing aspect. He loves the TV show, the radio show. He loves the live events. He's an incredible speaker. He's right. like the Tony Robbins version of whatever that would be in finance. The guy is incredible. He Like if he's talking the room, eyeballs are glued. And he loves it. Mm-hmm. So what he did was he retrofit his whole business said, I'm going to step over in the marketing and I'm going to manufacture appointments for the team and his lead sales guy, Brian, all he does, it's like the McDonald's worker that never leaves the cash register. He's like, appointment, appointment, appointment. Right. And he maximizes revenue. Brian did over $110 million of assets last year as a solo advisor. Why? He specialized. He went from generalist, where you do everything, to specialist. So Anthony specialized in making it rain appointments. Yep. Brian specialized. And once those appointments show up, how do I have a very clear, simple framework of how we can serve them? He's doing none of the service. Obviously, there's a service advisor that's going to help there. So Brian's crushing it. Anthony's crushing it. That's how you scale. I love that. It's just using your God-given gifts that you actually enjoy doing. Yeah, living the superpower is a term we use. As quickly as you can identify it or build it and then live in it, that's where you see that. You know, that 10x, 2x book was a really good challenge that you got to look at things totally different. To 2x something, you can just tweak it. To 10x it, you got to break it and rebuild it. So um, sure. we have a little bit of time here left. What in your mind, as, as you triad has this bar that's set that, you know, to be in that group, you've, you've done some things already. You've learned some things as a business owner. What, what are the, the things that you see that separate a group like the triad, the advisors that have risen to that level versus, you know, where most advisors are, where they're like, I'm still struggling. Should I hire somebody? At times you have to say, well, if I want to be a runner, I'm going to start doing what runners do. And I may not think of myself as a runner yet, but I can kind of mirror some of their activities. What, what are the commonalities that you see in, in triad, whether it's fitness, diet, mindset, to where our listeners are saying it feels distant to do what, what Brad's talking about, but what's, mm-hmm. what's a, a, a smaller step? What can I do tomorrow that helps me? What comes to mind first, Sten, is... You hit it. It was one of the words you said. It's mindset. Um, one of the things I've seen, and we're, we're three years into this journey, but I had 
15 years before this, working with some really successful independent advisors as well. And if I look for themes and commonalities, a lot of people say it. I mean, there's not an advisor out there that doesn't say, I'd love to double my business next year, That's right. you know, depending on the work that's required, mm-hmm. um, or I'd love to du- double my revenue next year. Um, but when you look at those two frameworks we already hit, as a financial advisor, that's actually a finite resource because it's one one person's time. And I don't care if you're Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, which apparently they're fighting in the Roman Coliseum. I don't know if you heard that, but that'll be interesting. But uh, that'll be fun. I'm tuning in on that one. That's a triad event um, right there. Make it happen. Yeah. Hey, hey let's go. You want to go? Let's let's go check it out. Um, so that's a finite resource. And how those guys have scaled businesses in different industries is it wasn't about Elon's time or Mark's time. They built a team. And so if we go over to, to phase two, I don't know that I've ever met a financial advisor, regardless of where they're at in their journey, that doesn't say, yeah, I want to be a business owner. Yeah, I want to be a CEO. Mm-hmm. But the question is, are they willing to make the mindset shift, do the work, get uncomfortable, honestly fall on their face a couple of times and be super frustrated to coach somebody up mm-hmm. um, in order to actually make that shift. Because I've seen people that say they want to do it. Like you, your analogy on the runner. Yeah. I want to go run a marathon. Oh, do you want to do the three months of training it takes to run a marathon? That's the question. Mm. And so I think it starts with mindset. It starts with commitment. It's kind of the burn the boats behind you. I'm yeah. committed to it. I'm going to do the work and I'm also embracing I'm not going to have this all figured out and I'm going to make some mistakes. And there's going to be some mornings I wake up at two in the morning with thinking, why the hell did I do this? Listening to that critic in your head. And what I've just learned, and I, I had a buddy ask me the other day, he's like, what, what have you learned the last three years at Tribe? Because I was an employee, right? For the last 15 years before that, coaching entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest lessons I learned, Stan, is it's a hell of a lot easier to coach an entrepreneur than it is to be one. Wow. It's like being the professor that teaches (laughs) business in a classroom versus doing business in the real world, right? Hmm. And what I've learned to embrace is the uncomfortable and the unknown, but knowing I will ask questions, I will surround myself with people. They can Guys like Michael Hyde, I coach with them every two weeks. Guess what? He's built big businesses. He was a CEO at Thomas Nelson. He had a thousand employees. Uh, he runs a eight figure business now. And guess what? What I love about Michael is humility to say, I screwed this up. Don't do that. Nice. So now I can learn from a guy that just, you know, he's run the race a little further down the road. But if I didn't have a mindset of being a student, being humble, admitting to myself, I don't have it all figured out. He wouldn't be able to help me. Oh yeah. So I think it all starts. I think it all starts with mindset, Stan. I really do. I, I think if you don't have that, everything else doesn't matter. I had a buddy tell me a while ago, uh, I know you're into fitness. If it hurts, it's working. And I think for me, I had to shift the, the, the tension that those, some of those triggers are signs you're doing something right versus the way I grew up. Those are signs you're doing something wrong. Like discomfort was bad. Pain was mm-hmm. bad. If you tried to avoid it. And I think when you make that shift to, you know, in your stages from a one to a two, almost a three, there has to be something in there where you just realize that you embrace, this is the way it is. Like I'm, I'm accepting and learning yeah. to live in this. You know, I think, I think cold plunging where you're like, no, it's when I hit that sweet spot of like, it, it, it's cold and that's not going away, but I can, yeah. I can live in it without hyperventilating. Yeah. So no, I think, I think that's powerful. Yeah. Can I, oh, yeah, can you can bring up sports. So we, yeah, 
What's that? Yeah, you can take us to the end here. Okay, cool. Well, uh, so yeah, just one additional thought. You're bringing up sports. Um, you can learn a lot from sports. We were fortunate enough. We just got back from a, a founders retreat. It's a community get together. We had 50, 50 of our members out there. We had over a hundred kids that we called a DBDL retreat because it's doing business and doing life. But we were fortunate enough. We had Henry Gracie there teaching jujitsu. We had Jason Kalipa, former CrossFit Games champion, uh, leading morning workouts. But Jason said something to your point. He said, he said, what took me from a good athlete to an elite athlete? And he was sharing a story of a guy that him and him, they were neck and neck every time. But when they got to the big official CrossFit Games, this other guy just kind of folded. And he said it started with mindset. He actually got a mindset coach as an athlete. And he said, the self-talk I would tell myself when things would get tough in the middle of the work. Oh, this hurts. Oh man, I can't make it, man. There's another two miles to run. I just can't get through this. My, my, you know, quads are on fire. He goes, the way I was coaching myself mentally, Mm. I would never coach somebody else that way. If I was Sten's coach, I wouldn't say Sten, you got two more miles (laughs) to go. Your legs are on fire. You're never going to make it. And he said, so what I flipped was I changed my own self-talk into a positive of like, my legs are on fire. Good. I'm building muscle now. Nice. And so I think that applies in so many areas. And what I've learned to embrace as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. guess what? If you're going to have people on your team, which until we're all taken over by AI, that's a requirement. Yes. Personnel are going to have personality issues. Mm-hmm. There are going to be struggles, people working together. We're humans. We have emotions. So you have to embrace it. Hey, if I'm going to have a great culture, I need to be able to have difficult conversations. I need to be able to bring the team together. We need to be able to, 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 you know, really have a vibe here that's, that's welcoming and and supportive. And so anyway, I think that's the thing. I won't run us here another hour, but, uh, no, you're good, man. I think as an entrepreneur, as Hyatt says, if, if you want to, if you want a big enough, it's not a big enough dream. If it doesn't require a team, if you want a team, you have to be able to lead a team and empower a team and be on be comfortable with knowing that you're going to get uncomfortable and people are going to have personality things. And that's just part of the gig as an entrepreneur. So that's I don't know man. if that's a good place to end it or not, but that's, that's kind of my, oh, I love that. Yeah. That. We'll, we'll have to do this again for sure. Uh, I will leave practical. You, you hear me saying, and you hear Brad saying it, get around people that are better than you. Uh, if it's a triad, if it's the lead advisor network, like get around, that's the most practical thing you could do tomorrow. If you're saying, Hey, there's so many things to do. I'm kind of paralyzed by it join a community, join a study group, get around advisors that are not, that, that are outperforming you, that, that run teams. Cause there's something to be said about if you, if you want to get healthy and you just get around people that work out and eat better by osmosis, you will start working out and eating better. So practically speaking, do that when you can, Brad, thanks brother. We'll do it again soon. Stan, this was fun, man. Thanks for having me on. You bet. <laughs>